This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks for being here today. Okay, we have a special series. I'm going to be dropping every Tuesday for the next five weeks. And this is another coaching series, but this time we focus on high school coaches. In the past, we have focused on college and professional coaches. So we're taking it a little further back this time. And of course, this series is sponsored by V.02 which is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary physiologist and coach, Dr. Jack Daniels. It's designed to help runners train more intelligently. VDOT elicits maximum benefit for the least effort required. Okay, so this is the coaching platform I have personally used for years. And did you know if you are a high school coach or a coach of any sorts, this can be for you as well. You can try a 30-day free trial of V.Coach and start inviting your athletes now. Visit V.02.com to learn more. Coaches can use code COACHLINDSEY, that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, to get 20% off their annual subscription. So again, you get 20% off your annual subscription when you use the code COACHLINDSEY when you go to V.02.com. The V.02 team is made up of athletes and coaches. And if you'd like to speak to a member of their team and set up a demo first, just email info at v.02.com or you can message me and I'll connect you with their product team. This has not only saved me a lot of time personally, it is also a very well-researched platform. Hundreds of coaches use it. And if you are a coach looking for a way to elevate what you're already doing, definitely go check it out. Use that code Coach Lindsay for 20% off your annual subscription, v.02.com to learn more. Well, today we're kicking off this series with the founder of VDOT, Brian Rossetti. He founded the Run Smart Project in 2006 due to his passion for running and desire to help others reach their goals. He's coached thousands of runners online in a partnership with Dr. Jack Daniels. His own athletic accomplishments include being a 10-time Atlantic 10 track and field conference champion. He has a personal best in the 1500 of 344 and a 114 half marathon. What I love most about getting to know Brian though is his passion for coaching and his passion for speaking to the influence that coaches have on their athletes for years to come. And one of the interesting facts here is that Jack Daniels, who you know is one of the most famous running coaches in the world really, so many of his athletes went on to be coaches themselves. And why is that? We talk about that in this episode. And this is kicking off this high school coaching series. So if you are a high school coach or you have kids who are in athletics, this is going to be a series you don't want to miss. All right, friends, uh, if you enjoy this series and this podcast at all, please leave us a rating interview on iTunes. Um, and you can learn more about this show and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, enjoy my conversation with Brian Rossetti. All right, well, today on All Have Another, we have Brian Rossetti, the founder of VDOT02 on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you as a guest on the show. I've been 
and talks with you for years. I've been using VDOT myself for years and have loved our working relationship. So it's fun to bring you on. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Brian, tell us a little bit about your background with running. Yeah. So I started at a young age. It was really my dad kind of started, kind of placed the bug, um, if you will. He was training for Marine Corps and doing a lot of road races. Um, and to me at that time, it was just kind of this weird uh, scene. It was a very small um, scene in Scranton, Pennsylvania. There were a bunch of road races, but not a big running community. And um, I like to compete for sure. That was definitely you know, something I realized at a young age. So I was competitive. Um, my dad was a pretty good runner, but he used to take us to the track so he could watch us while he would get his training in. From uh-huh. America. So we would kind of be just killing each other on the football field while he's, you know, doing all these laps. And we just thought it was weird. You know, we were baseball, basketball players. And um, then my oldest brother uh, started to join him in the races. So about 10, 11. And I guess the moment was when he came home from one of the races with a trophy that was probably about (laughs) half his size. Um, And he set like the age group record for this race that had been going on in Scranton for, for, you know, a long time. And that's when I was like, wow, I want one of those, you know? And, um, so that's basically how it started. That's how it started. Um, how every time you say you're from Scranton or people are like, Oh, the office, I'm sure. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I love the office. So I think it's, I think it's great, but yeah, we're <laughs> Scranton's known for a few, a few, um, infamous things, but yeah. I like Thunder that. Mifflin. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Then what is your, what does your running career look like though? Like college? Yeah, I ran in high school. Um, I'm sad. I just, one of my records was just broken, um, by a young lad at, at Scranton high school. So all my friends and family were making fun of me the last few weeks. Um, what's the record and what, for what distance? It was just a six, it was the 1600 and, um, it was surprisingly, it lasted, you know, longer than I ever anticipated. Uh, I wasn't really like a huge star or anything in high school. I knew that I wanted to run in college and I was good enough to get in um, to college and I ran in college and um, I, I kept progressing throughout college. And then I ran at Zap Fitness um, uh-huh. for a couple of years. Um, so I think the the story of my career was really that it was just this slow, steady progress. And that kept me in the sport that was, you know, made it really a positive experience for me. Um, I was never like a standout at a young age. It was just every year I seemed to try and figure out how could I get a little better. That was always my mindset for whatever reason is just, okay, what can I do this year that I didn't do last year? And I don't know if that was instilled just from my parents or I don't remember reading anything. We didn't have a lot of knowledge. Like I did not know of Jack Daniels um, growing up, maybe later in college. You know, I saw his book and heard about him um, when he was working at the farm team um, doing testing. And then I started to kind of learn about the legend of um, Jack Daniels, but had no connection to him until 
after I left Zap. Okay. So, well, VDOT is like uses Jack Daniel's method. So like, how did that all fall into place? Yeah. So Jack was, I was good friends with the guy who owns Run Flagstaff. There's a shout out. Um, Vince Sherry, who was at Zap Fitness as well. And then he moved out to Flagstaff. Um, when it was a pretty small crew, it was before Flagstaff kind of blew up. It was Jack and um, Alicia, now Vargo. It oh, was yeah. Alicia Che and, and Ryan. Um, I think the Halls maybe came out a little bit later. Uh, Mike Smith, um, a bunch of other guys. So Vince became close with Mike Smith. Uh, we started working together on online coaching. And then they, they sort of pitched Jack on, they became close with Jack and his wife, Nancy. And then they pitched him on this idea of uh, transferring, you know, the book into more of a modern day application. So the cool thing with Jack is that like, he's more of a scientist researcher and, and he didn't really set out to coach. It was just kind of, he loved to coach. He gravitated into coaching and, it was easy for him to apply all his research. And then when he started having success as a coach, his big thing was just passing it on, like transferring it to others. And so we're trying to carry on that legacy. Jack jokes all the time that in college, it was hard for him to do his job because he would be faxing coaches seasoned plans. So here's a, a running coach and a teacher at Cortland University and everyone's kind of like, what are you doing? You know, you're winning every year. You've got these national champions these, um, as a team and individuals um, and you're so, your teams are so consistent. What the heck are you doing? And just by nature, Jack is willing to talk to anyone and, you know, give away any of his, you know, there's no secrets with him. It's the whole idea was like, how can I transfer, transfer all the research that's more palatable for everyone to take advantage? Like there is sort of a method or basic principles, as he likes to say. Um, so he's spending all this time faxing uh, coaches. And then he was like, I'm just might as well write a book. This is going to yeah. save me all the time. <laughs> so it was never for him. It's never like. You know, I'm going to make so much money. He's just not a business guy. He's a scientist. So it was always like, I can't do my job. I need to like just put this in a book finally and just get it out there. And then we just kind of became the extension. Like, let's do the calculator and let's start building in the paces and other things into an app that everyone can use easily. I love that so much because I do feel like some coaches are secretive about like their methods and what they do. Um, and I'm like, man, if you're going to spend all this time researching and like finding the best way to do it, don't you want as many people as possible to benefit from that? And it just has like helps other people rise to the occasion so that you're all competing using this like really smart method. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's just, it depends on the coach. Some are just willing to talk exactly about, you know, what they do or they're willing to share and, and others aren't. They like to kind of keep that close in terms of what they do. What I've learned over the years, though, is that the big difference maker, there's so much information now, like back before um, 
you know, social media and a lot of information, you know, was being shared in terms of YouTube or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, websites. And I'm going back to, you know, when we were in high school and college, a lot, oftentimes you didn't know what other teams were doing. And now it's, it's a little bit more of an open book, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny to see, but the difference maker to me is really like more on the mental side and who's kind of fostering a really positive environment. Um, I think fortunately for us, Jack got into athletics because his high school, which he talks a lot about, had this incredible physical education program. And they had like 10 different events and everyone was scored. You didn't have an option. This was part of the curriculum. And so, and it went from like middle school up to 12th grade. And there were 10 different events and there was scoring, you know, there was swimming and running and, you know, going up rope climb and push-ups and pull-ups and um, jumping. And I forget the 10, I'm, I'm close, but there was, I know there was 10. And there was a certain um, scoring. So you would reach almost like karate belts. You would go to a different color based on the level you reached. It didn't matter how old you were. There was... The, this is what you needed to achieve to score purple and to score yellow. And then at the top were, was gold. So it was like, oh my gosh, this person's a gold. And it was, you know, sometimes a sophomore might reach gold or a junior, but you really needed to be older to be able to achieve it. And um, from what I understand, it was fun. It was, you know, competitive, but it really motivating and created this this great environment. Jack talks about four uh, individuals in his class, including himself, making the Olympics in one school. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's pretty wild. And he just says, well, everyone was super fit, you know, because we had to do all these events. You had to sort of prepare um, for all these events. So he was a pentathlete, which five different events. And he's like, I was just athletic and fit and was able to do different things. So I think that you could go on about specificity and when to apply that with young athletes. And I think this sort of lends itself to, you know, it's a good thing to do a lot of different sports, you know, when you're young and keep fitness fun um, and motivating. And so, you know, that takes them into the Olympics. And then he learns that he's, his worst event is running. (laughs) Um, So it's like ironic in a way, you know, that this guy who's impacted and coached so many people at the highest level, running was his worst event. And um, so fortunately, you know, Jack had this coach. Well, unfortunately, but fortunately, because the coach had them do like hard reps or hard repeats every day. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very similar workout where he would just run them into the ground and then they'd do the same thing the next day. Um, and Jack thought later that it was probably just how his coach coached him. And so when it comes to like the principles of training that we talk about so often, um, that's like a big violation, right? Like yeah. never, that's his thing. Like, don't just coach people because that's how you were coached. You have to be able to have principles in terms of 
how to manage individuals in so many different ways. And so um, he had this coach, you know, who probably turned off so many people to the sport of running. And Jack was so competitive and he was he won two Olympic medals in the pentathlon. So his thing was like, how do how can I get my running to be better like what how do you train for running is this really how you do it because i'm not getting any better and so that basically put him on this path which leads us to today where he's like i'm gonna figure it out and so he started getting into exercise science and gets his phd and starts doing the testing and starts figuring it out and like okay if you if you spend this much time at this percent of your heart rate max it's going to improve this um and then kind of coming up with with this framework essentially on how to train and you stay in these different zones for a different amount of time and how could you maximize you know benefit of a certain workout if you're doing it at threshold and so fortunately jack stuck with it and figured it out but my point is like how many people kind of fell through the cracks and I was like, running is terrible. You know, it's hard. I'm not getting any better um, because of that coach, you know, and he jokes all the time in, in his talks that uh, when he asked Jim Ryan's coach back in the day, like, what the heck are you doing? How is he running so fast? I'm curious, like, what are the workouts? And when Jim Ryan's coach told him, he was just baffled. He's like, how does, how, how does everyone survive this training? It's insane. And he realized that they were all swimming workouts. There was the guy, Jim Ryan's coach was a swim coach ah. who got into track. And then he was like, well, I don't know how to coach track. So I'm just going to write swimming workouts. So they would do these insane amount of intervals. And he got, luckily Jim Ryan survives and he's incredible. But like, wow. what about the what about the rest of the team? Have you heard about the rest of the team? Yeah, because you don't swim easy all the time. Like, you know, like what you maybe have a better answer for this than I know. Like what percentage of your runs, if you're running five days a week, should be easy runs. And with swimming, you don't really do that. You you do intervals mostly. Yeah. And Shaq always talks about that. Just like I think in large part, it's because it's non impact. Like, yeah. Cycling your body recovers much faster. So you could do harder work more often yeah. versus running, you know, you're, you're standing up and you're pounding, swimming, you're, you know, you're horizontal and you're going with the water. It's just a lot easier on your system. So, um, so yeah, to translate that oh my workouts into running, like some of Jim Ryan's workouts, if you look at a typical week, of Jim Ryan's training, you can look it up on YouTube and you'll find, um, you'll find it. And tell everybody who Jim Ryan is in case they don't know. Yeah. So Jim Ryan was like first high school sub four minute miler, um, from Kansas Olympic medalist. I think Jack would say arguably the best U S distance runner ever. Really? Yeah. That I think is, you know, would be up for big debate. Um, Who's competing with that? Best ever, U.S. Oh man! Now I'm asking you your hot takes. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I think I think some of the older like generation doesn't get a good look, like Lynn Jennings. Uh -huh. um, 
you know, before long before social media, she doesn't promote herself. She's kind of stepped away from the sport at this time, but like multi-time world cross country champion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you have to throw like Shalane in there. I think you have to, um, you know, there's people like Rob, Galen Rupp and um, others, but I think a lot of people would, would debate that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. I don't That's really have... I didn't, I didn't prep you for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back on that. But US-wise, yeah, I think it's it's still kind of up in the air on that one. But, yeah. Um, and to put into context, too, for everybody listening, like um, Jack Daniels is 90. Yeah. <laughs> so like this is like going way, way back when he was yeah. figuring all this out. Um, okay, so how... Let's talk about like his legacy as far as like how many of his runners have gone on to coach and, you know, the difference that these high school coaches are making in the lives of their athletes. Yeah. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, just from my experience and from working with Jack. And this is something that um, came up that I realized recently just how many of his athletes are coaching, like you said, which says to me so much. Um, And I wish more high school coaches would sort of step back before they start a season and think about like the impact they have on a young person. Um, And that sometimes little comments like go a long way um, in terms of whether you're going to lose an individual in the sport or whether you're going to really, um, whether that person's going to hold on to that, remember that, and that could be a driving force, um, you know, for them to stay in the sport long-term. We had, um, we had an athlete on my team in college, so not high school, but it was a team sport and it was a, he was a walk-on and, um, you know, he definitely felt included. It was someone that made a lot of progress, that worked really hard. He had a lot of um, work ethic, um, tough individual, very smart. And our coach sort of treated him just like he did the best athletes on the team. And so I thought a lot about that lately because um, I'm sitting watching the Olympics with my daughters and it's their first time watching the the Olympics and track and field. And I'm excited because they're kind of getting into it and asking all these questions. And um, we watch Sydney McLaughlin uh, win. And afterwards, she's getting interviewed. And this is when there weren't many people in attendance because of uh, COVID. So they're interviewing her and then they're showing her her family um, and friends at home, you know, going crazy. And um, she's looking at the camera and they kind of flash to the people in this living room, wherever it is, back in New Jersey. And she's like, oh, and and there's my coach, Mike, um, my high school coach, Mike. And I like do a double take and I like lean in and I'm like, that's Mike McCabe, my teammate from college. Like he coaches he coached Sydney McLaughlin. Wow. And, and I'm like sitting here like this is Mike McCabe, who was a walk on and, you know, who had a positive experience, I think, on our team, went on to become a great coach and um, really guided Sydney, you know, through high school, 
helped her become the athlete that she became. And now she's inspiring my kids now who probably, you know, want to stay in the sport, get into the sport, which they're just starting to now. And I'm like, holy crap. You know, it's a full circle. This guy is the guy you were saying the story of him being like the walk on guy that your coach treated him the same. Yeah. And he's now, okay. Wow. That's so cool. It's unbelievable. So you just never know. Like I think oftentimes with teams and coaches, I think most coaches want to be treat everyone equally and with respect and have this inclusive environment. But oftentimes the coach is going to gravitate towards the super motivated, the super talented that are really kind of driving the success for their team. And then so often you'll see kids just fall off that might join cross country because they want to get a sport on their resume for college and Mm. they want to try it out. And so you might lose them. Like I think back, one of my best friends from junior high basically did cross country because I was doing it. And so I started having some success. I was the, the top runner on the team. Steven was probably like our sixth or seventh um, man on the team. And so important, right? Because he could block um, the top from the other team in terms of cross-country scoring. And I'll never forget, he told me something recently, and I totally forgot that I said this. I I did remember when he told me, but I totally forgot. This was a quick comment, which goes back to what we were saying, like, you never know what's going to stick with someone. So always lead with like Jack will say, if, if someone doesn't have a good race or they come back over to you after the race, start with a positive comment mm-hmm. first, no matter what happened, even if you're disappointed or they didn't follow the game plan. Maybe they care. Jack's like, maybe they carried their arms better. Like we've been talking about, like mm-hmm. focus on that, not how you know, they didn't finish as high up as they had expected, you know. So um, Stevens in we're in this race and everyone starts to realize that if Steven passes this kid, there's about a quarter mile left. You know, I'm finished. I'm watching runners slowly start to come in. And the coaches realize, wow, it's coming down to these two to, uh, who are going to decide the meet before the race is over. So everyone quickly catches on that if Steven passes this guy on the other team, that we win the meet. So everyone starts going crazy. The coaches are like, if you get him, we win. Like, so it's basically on him. Oh, my gosh. And he, they turn the corner and Steven just guns it and like all out sprint goes right by this guy. And everyone's going crazy. The coaches are like ecstatic. The team is ecstatic. Everyone's celebrating. You could see like, he's like, oh my gosh, like I won the race for us. He comes over to me and he's like, kind of like noticing that I'm not like that impressed and not like, you know, great job. And he's like, did you, you know, did you see what just happened? And I'm like, my comment to him was, why did you have so much left? Uh And so he told me this like, you know, 25 years 25 later, years later. <laughs> he told me this like he never forgets 
that comment and he's like, you were right. Like I didn't give it my all out there. <laughs> I waited and I almost lost the race for us. And I'm like horrified now that I've been, now I've gotten into coaching, like <laughs> thinking what a jerk I was, you know, that I like was so hard on him. Steven didn't go on to keep running. I don't know if that was the reason, you know, at the time. Now we're adults and he's like, you know, he can, we can laugh about it. And he's like, actually, you know, you were right. And I'm like, no, I was wrong. Like you, you won the meet for us. Like I should have been like, great finish, you know? And then later been later like- Later maybe brought it up. Let's maybe go. <laughs> right. <laughs> like celebrate the win and like what you did well. And then be like, okay, how can we work on- maybe going out a little bit more aggressively because you had a lot left at the end, you know? But I you think also weren't his coach. You were his right. peer. So, like, don't be so hard on yourself. It would be way worse if you said that and you were the coach. Of course. No, of course. But I think that the coach would have, yeah, there would it would have been, had more of an impact maybe. But I had a huge influence on him. Yeah. Which, as a friend, I was being tough. Um, but... It, Maybe, you know, he was like, I don't know, do I want to keep doing this? Like, I thought I had a great race and this isn't fun, you know? Uh -huh. So I think it's a good lesson for coaches to, I've seen adults say things to kids. Oh, yeah. When they come off, like, what were you doing? You know, and I'm like, that's not good, you know, and they're doing it in front of people in public. Who what are, are they saying at home? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just... I think that it's so important. Um, another great story um, that really had an impact on me was uh, we did a coaching clinic in Boston and we had Lynn Jennings as the guest speaker and she was phenomenal. Talked a lot about her career and the Olympics and passes around, you know, her bronze medal um, from the Olympics so everyone could kind of hold it. And, and so cool and just an amazing athlete and their, her accomplishments are just insane. And at the end of her talk, she pulls out this like piece of paper and she reads this um, note that she wrote to Jack and she starts to get super emotional by the end of it. And basically attributing her career to Jack, um, which caught us both off guard and so I'm like, you know, on the side of the, the stage and I'm, I like have to go backstage because I'm like about to cry and I'm like totally caught off guard. I'm looking at Jack and he's kind of standing there confused a little bit. And afterwards, I'm like, did you know, did did you, you I don't think you coached Lynn, right? And he's like, no, I never coached her. Hmm. And I was like where did that come from, you know? And so basically Lynn, like coming out of college was a great athlete, standout, but she was having a hard time. And her coach was like, let's, I want to go get you tested, like VO2 max and kind of see where you're at. I think they were trying to reset. And he's like, we're going to go see um, Jack Daniels. And Lynn was like, oh my gosh, like, 
he's a legend. Like to Lynn, he was like a god. Like if you know, Jack coaches and advises Olympians, and I'm this young athlete coming out of college, and I want to go to the Olympics, but it's not looking good in my career. Should I keep doing this? And so Jack, she meets with Jack, and he tests her, and um, he apparently made a few comments like, you know, you can do this, like based on what I'm seeing, like he had a couple positive comments that Jack has no recollection whatsoever. He, he thought it was just in sort of in passing almost. And she took them to heart. Like if Jack Daniels is telling me this. And, and so she attributes like that moment, like just totally changing the trajectory of her career. And she just kind of changed things for her and, and took off. And she just, because we brought her, and to do the talk and she was thinking a lot about her career and and Jack and and she basically said I think that was the moment for me that changed everything wow it was like oh my gosh and like here Jack like he didn't coach her he didn't write her workouts it was just that meeting and his comments and he had no recollection you don't even realize like the impact of what you say to other people can be yeah um, well, let's talk about that with high school coaches. You know, I mean, people that are coaching high school, they're doing it because they love the kids. They love running. Um, I try to think back to my high school coach. She was great, but like, I guess I'm not like left with any, like, I mm. think about her all the time or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I wonder like, what is that difference? Like, what is the difference of a coach who like, your care, you carry them with you, like, you know, through everything else you do in life. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Cause I think just certain individuals aren't maybe the best at, you know, inspiring or motivating. I think certain coaches are better naturally. Mm-hmm. Some maybe have to work more at it. Um, and I think continuing education is great. Um, and so, yeah, I think some coaches are better at writing training. Mm, mm-hmm. And so I think that those that maybe don't know how to relate or really connect and be, you know, as naturally motivating or being able to like have those words of wisdom, you know, um, if that doesn't come naturally, uh, maybe your assistant, you, you look for an assistant coach yeah. that can play more of that role. Um, but I think that, you know, coming back to, uh, Jack and having all these athletes that stayed in the sport and then coached as well. Um, one part is that like that environment, the nurturing, the mental side, the supporting comments, encouraging words. And then there's the other side, I think in terms of the hallmarks of a great coach, for young athletes is having principles of, of training. So if they're not getting you on that side, like where you felt inspired or like, well, that coach told me this and I always remember it. Like if they weren't that type of coach, then hopefully they're at least the coach that has some basic principles of training. Like we talked about, they're not just coaching you the way that, that they they're coached coach them. That, Cause that's all they know. Um, so for instance, like 
I remember in college as a freshman lining up to do mile repeats. So I know today that the mile repeats were probably designed to improve your endurance. So training at threshold is a term that we use a lot with VDOT. It's built into our application. Um, I didn't know that at the time. Our coach wasn't communicating very clearly, like, this is why we're doing the workout. Um, and so now it's, I think it's, I look back and I'm like, principles of training, right? Like, it's not just to make you, you faster. It works for everyone. So if you get a walk on or someone who's not as fast, right? And you're like, this is how it's supposed to feel. This is how fast you should be running these. If you have those basic principles, mm. then everyone's going to feel empowered. Everyone's going to feel good in their body. Everyone's going to feel like they're progressing. So naturally, you're going to get more kids that are going to want to stay in the sport, that are going to want to keep running after high school's over, that are going to want to coach because they're like, this this makes sense. This works. This is great. Like we all progress. That was the great thing about Jack's team is that everyone improved. It wasn't that he had a couple standouts mm. that got him attention as a coach because he had these really talented athletes. He didn't at Cortland. Um, they were division two or division three. And so they just have broad-based success. And I think that's because there were principles of training. So that mile repeat workout that I did, I'm trying to keep up because I'm super competitive with the upperclassmen. And then I die in the workout, right? And so I walk away from this workout. I probably got 20% of the benefit physiologically as they did. Mm. And then I also walk away thinking like, I can't keep up. Like I'm getting crushed. Like, how is that mentally going into the next race? Like, I can't run with these guys. Versus we put people into groups. Yeah. And you can use VDOT to, like on the app, It's it sort of forces you to create groups based on VDOT, apply training, keep people training at the correct pace, but also communicate like, why are we doing this? What should it feel like? How do you get the most out of it? That's going to reduce risk of injury. That's going to help people improve. And that's just going to lead to, like I said, just a more positive environment. Like, hey, this works for me too. Not just the faster runners. Like, I'm a walk-on and, wow, this, that felt good. I, I finished that workout and I completed it because it was appropriate for me not just designed for the faster runners, you know? So you're saying like if a, co a high school coach is using VDOT app, they like, they'll, they'll group their athletes and like, so say the faster ones may, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the faster ones are maybe doing like five reps instead or doing a little more and obviously more intense and a faster pace. But that way, when you go out to your workout, you're like, here's group A, group B, group C. Yeah, exactly. That to me is part of like the principles of training um, in terms of, so for example, like you said, um, when you group athletes, you might be thinking about um, their VDOT. So what pace their threshold should be. So you kind of want them training around other individuals that are similar. Um, and the other thing is like you might have runners that 
can maintain because they're stronger, they've been running, um, they can maintain 40 miles a week versus 30. All right, so if someone's running 40 miles a week, they're probably going to do more threshold work in that workout yeah. than the 30. So Jack, for instance, part of the principles of training would be you want to shoot for no more than 10% of their weekly mileage, um, 10% of time spent at threshold as a percentage of their weekly mileage. So basically a 30 mile a week runner might do three by one mile or six by 800 at their threshold pace. So that's roughly 10% of their weekly mileage. A 40 mile a week runner might do four by one mile. Um, so it might be less appropriate for someone who can only run 20 or 30 miles a week. So are you a coach that just lines everyone up and yeah. says, we're doing four by mile today and you've got a walk on or you're in a high school team and this is this individual's first year. Um, I would imagine not many coaches are doing that, but you never know. This could be, hey, you got to learn. This is three by mile. This is what we do on this team. You know, I can yeah. hear some coaches like this is what we do. You know, lock in. He throws everyone into the fire. You know, he or she, and and then boom, off and good luck. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the person runs out, like trying to keep up with everyone, and then their heart rate's too high. They finish that workout. Like I said, maybe they spent two minutes at their threshold out of twenty, and the the fastest kid on the team spent twenty minutes right at their threshold. And they, they walk, walk away discouraged. Yeah, one walks away discouraged. Like maybe they're like, running is terrible. Yeah. This is so dumb. I felt this is so hard. And the other is like, recovers really well because they did the workout right. They didn't. They didn't go pa over their threshold. Um, they feel better, they feel stronger in the next few weeks because they got a lot of really good physiological benefit from the workout. So coaches really need to think along those lines. And it has an impact, not just in fitness, like principles of training is not just about what I've been thinking. It's not just about getting faster. You know, it has such an impact on um, how someone feels, mm -hmm. you know, it's so encouraging to finish a workout and feel like you did it right. Felt it, like it felt right. And you walk away, you know, feeling recovered over the next few days and you feel ready to do the next workout. You know, if someone goes out and they're like, can't hang on and they overtrain the next workout likely isn't going to feel good. So again, it goes back to like negative, negative, negative. This isn't, something's not working. I guess it's just, this isn't for me, mm. you know? And that's the beauty of Vida is that it's all science-based. It's physiological. So it's, it can be for everyone because we're all human, essentially. Like it's, that's what it comes down to. So no matter how fast someone can run a mile or a 5K when they join your cross country or your track team, um, 
the same principles apply to everyone. So everyone, whether you're the state champion or the slowest kid in the state, should walk away from the work, every workout that you do feeling like the same. That yeah. was challenging, but I did it and it felt right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it always has me thinking about like how what people who think they don't like running, there's two reasons. One, I think it's, well, there's probably lots of reasons, but two reasons that come to my mind are like one, they don't give it enough time, right? Like they never get past that like one or two mile mark. When you build yourself up, you start feeling good at like two miles. Like that's how long it takes your body to warm up. And then two, they just run too fast all the time. Like yeah. um, my friend's husband is training for his first marathon and he's a soccer player. And she was like saying how he was like, yeah, I mean, I'm used to like when I run, I just like go out and run hard. Like if I'm going out to run three miles, I'm just like I'm running hard because that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And to teach people from a young age and then newer runners that like that's not how it works and that's not how you actually get faster. Um, it's a hard concept for people to understand though, because they think you need to run hard all the time to get faster. And it's just not the case. And if you've been running for a while, you know that, but it's surprising that most new runners just had no idea about that concept. Yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to realize that like easy, it wasn't until honestly after college that I fully understand that, you know, professional runners run really slowly uh -huh, um, a lot of the easy, time yeah on their their easy days i remember at zap i lived with um for a brief time we had this kenyan distance runner who came down to train with us in the mountains uh ellie rono was his name um such a character but i think he ran 210 on a really hot day in new york mm that year wow that's fast for new york yeah i think day. he was fourth i think he was fourth overall um but anyway my point is one time zap goes to this lake to train um in the town and it's this flat path around this lake it's only about a mile and then a lot of the trails kind of go up these carriage trails beautiful park and I showed up um, to practice and ellie is just the most social kind individual just will strike up a conversation with anyone and he's uh he was running around the lake on his recovery day with this local um woman probably like in her 60s and a recreational runner and they're out running 9 30 pace and it just it looked hysterical watching it, this guy run 9 30 pace around the lake and um they were just chatting yeah. And he was like, I had some huge days and, you know, it felt great just to kind of shuffle legs. And so that was like striking to me. I'm like, this guy wants to go try and win New York. And on his easy days, he's... He's running 930s. Yeah. And this woman had no clue who he was. Like, you know, she, he, just some guy that showed up. I don't even know if he talked about what he was doing oh. there. But... Um, so yeah, it's just, but when you understand that running slowly, like what the benefits are, what the science of it, then it encourages you to do it more often. So it's like, oh, on easy days, it's actually worse to run harder for these reasons. You know, like I'm not recovering 
I don't need to get the actual physiological benefits. I actually don't need to run harder. So why would I do it? You know, um, and then you train at specific intensities like the soccer player. I'm sure they want to get faster for their sport. So there are certain workouts you can do with VDOT to become faster. And so each individual has a specific pace to train at. You know, if you want to get faster, train at your rep pace. Um, and there are principles around reps, like the recovery should be the same distance as the rep because you got to, if you're running that fast, you need lots of recovery so that you can get a lot of work in at rep pace. And so there are a lot of principles around that, but yeah, the, the tendency of all of us really is just to kind of run harder often than we need to and it's sort of aimless it's just kind of yeah. like just work hard you know like that's the goal and they don't get that a lot of the benefit comes when they're resting and and running easy and because of like going back to what you said earlier about swimming versus running running just takes a lot of recovery like yeah. most of the time like training full time at zap i mean you just spend so much time just resting like it's so tedious and the easy runs almost are worse sometimes than the hard workouts because you're recovering from the hard workout so a lot of times those easy runs are just a you know slog and and you're just out there kind of shuffling and just letting the recovery happen from the hard days but that's just sort of the nature of our sport. If you want to feel better um, when you're out running and feel stronger, even if you're not, your goal isn't to be, you know, run a great marathon or beat your PR and a half or something like you just want to feel good running and be fit and it's for mental health. Then like you should still train, like have some purpose behind what you do because otherwise you're just going to get hurt and you're not really going to improve your fitness. So like I said, it kind of applies to everyone. Yeah, it's motivating to have a goal too. I mean, yeah, regardless sure. of if you're going to go do a race, like it just, it feels good to get a hard workout in. Yeah. Yeah. I did it today. I mean, I don't really. Good job. Big training and racing goals, but I'd still like to go to the track and feel like I, um, I do 200s like I'm not really training for races but I'll do 200s and I'll know what pace I should be running at based on my current fitness and it feels uh, good it feels yeah. you know relative to what I used to do when we'd hit 200s on the track in high school or college you know Yeah that's good um why should high school coaches use VDOT Yeah so a lot of times when we pitch the app to coaches we'll We'll oftentimes say, well, it saves you time. Um, you can build out these paces. A lot of coaches will use our cal the VDOT calculator and they're constantly calculating. I mean, we have like millions and millions of calculations on the calculator and we're like, you don't have to keep doing that every time someone runs a new race or, okay, what do I, what should they be training at for their repeat 800s or their, their reps or their threshold? Um, everything's built in on mm. VDOT 02. So like once the athlete has an assigned VDOT, you just write the workout and apply it. You can apply it to your 
team. You can save workouts. You can apply templates. Um, and then paces are updated when race results are included um, on the athlete's calendar. So a lot of coaches will say, well, it saves me time. So then I can bring you back to what you talked about. Like I can focus more on motivating, communicating, focusing on my athletes and how they're doing um, outside of workouts or between workouts. Um, there's a lot of data, you know, for the data geeks that like that stuff, you can sort of analyze it. Um, we do, we're starting to offer um, templates for coaches. So nice. um, again, I keep saying bringing it back, but bringing it back to Jack faxing um, <laughs> high school coaches season templates. So yeah, pretty soon we're going to be offering to anyone who wants and you don't, you know, no one has to know, like if you want a template from Jack, you can just grab it. If you're a subscriber to the app, you can um, pay for a template, pull it into your account and then apply it to your team. You could make little edits to it. You can add notes to it. You can, um, but essentially you'll have a nice season template for, 20 mile a week runner, 30 mile a week runner, 40 mile a week runner, and you can quickly apply them for the team um, and just let let those workouts do their thing and you focus on administration. I think I told you by email, we had this uh, coach who's in New York and he coaches his alma mater in Indiana, Noblesville High School, Blake Dirksen, um, who's a PT by day. And then he coaches, he programs the workouts on VDOT to the high school team in Indiana, and he's in New York City. And then they had their staff, obviously there's coaches on site. Yeah. Well, so they're like, okay, here's the workout for today from Blake, and here's why we're doing it, and here are the instructions, and here are the groups. Okay, you line up group one, you're doing three by one mile, and here are the notes from Blake. And so they administer it. They're one of the best teams in the state. That's so cool. Yeah. So some coaches really like the technology and they embrace it. Some coaches don't. There's this resistance, I think, to the tech, like they kind of have what they do. Mm -hmm. um, but we've noticed that, that if you tell the team, like, this is what we're using. It's a new system. We're going to engage. I want you to engage. We find that the kids will engage. It, it helps keep them accountable. Um, yeah, because the kids can log on. The kids, the kids have, you know, smartphones. If they don't, they can get on their computer and go on the web and log into their calendar and actually see notes. Like we talking about. That's cool. Yeah, so we we're talking about comments and stuff that we remember from our coaches or don't remember. Um, but like, think of a coach. Like now, when I coach a group in New York City. After the workout, I'll open up the app and I'll find them. And before I forget, I'll leave a note about something that just I realized or something that I noticed out there. Like you carried your arms really well. We've been talking about that or um, great workout. Next week, I want you to focus on not going out too quickly. The first two intervals um, were a little fast. 
And so a coach can pick up on those things. And then now athletes are always getting those comments. Like yeah. an, a coach has an opportunity to really have a profound impact if they want on like, you know, maybe a certain kid needs a heart to heart and, and it's like, hey, listen, I know you're struggling. And maybe like like we talked about, that coach isn't the best at having those conversations, mm -hmm. but they could go home and they can type it out, send it to them through the app, leave a comment on the workout like, hey, keep your head up. I'm proud of you that you're, you know, you're showing up to practice every day. You're putting in the work. It's going to come, you know, just as an, an, an example. That could have a huge impact on a young kid to be like, wow, my coach just sent me a nice note. Like, I'm going to come back. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to hang my head and get discouraged. Like my coach believes in me. My coach isn't saying, what's wrong with you? You know, I practice or maybe it's like, hey, sorry about that. You know, <laughs> Uh, don't worry, hang in there. Like everyone has a rough patch, you know. Maybe it's because you're not getting asleep or you're stressed out about school or whatever it may be. It's nice for coaches to embrace the tech because then they can kind of pinpoint, well, you're going out too fast or like look at, you know, what you did in this workout. And we talked about this. Remember when we do these workouts, not supposed to go out too fast we want to run you know even splits or whatever it might be um so what i've noticed is that it helps coaches can make those supporting comments those encouraging comments really easily on the app because you might if you're managing a large team like a lot of these high school coaches they might have a huge program yeah how do you connect with athletes, a lot of times you're just trying to keep practice going. You're trying to keep it organized. You're trying to keep everyone safe. And um, the app helps with organization in terms of who should be in which group. It makes you think like, okay, this group shouldn't be doing four by one mile. They're doing three by one. And now I'm going to write out instructions because at practice, everyone's kind of distracted or they're chatting or Oh, oh, shoot, what? You know, the coach is trying to get their attention. Hey, listen up. Here's what we're doing. Um, if you tell the athletes, if you're part of this program, I want you checking the workout before you show up. Mm. You know, go yeah. on your phone, go on the calendar, print it out. The kids could print it out and slap it on the fridge. And yeah. they could see the season workouts. So they can cross them off. Like, I'm going to finish this season's plan. In high school, we just showed up and we had no clue what we were no doing. No idea what was going on. No, that's so good. I love that. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah, too, because we love, like, people like knowing what the plan is. Um, okay, so are we doing, like, a code for coaches? I forget. Yes. Okay, so do we know what it is? <laughs> uh, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we want to do? Uh, Coach Lindsay, we could do, yeah. Okay, um, Coach Lindsay. Okay, Coach Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, friends. Yeah. So what do people do? Go to v.o2. Yeah, go to v.o2.com, and then there's you can click for coaches. You can, for those who don't use v.dot, um, our calculator's on there, so you can get a feel for how it works, like plug in a distance, mm. a recent race result, or an estimated result. Um, for yourself or maybe an athlete that you work with and um, you can look at their training paces um, oftentimes 
coaches will use the equivalent performance tab. So um, let's say you've got athletes in the summer who just finished track, track, a track season and you can plug in their mile time and then look at what the equivalent performance is for a 5K as you're starting to get into cross country. Wow, maybe this 5K time is a good benchmark or it's a good goal for that individual or maybe it's encouraging for the athlete to say, hey, you just ran the 1600 or the mile you know, at the end of this track season in six minutes. Let's see if you can run, look what VDOT says. It says the equivalent performance for 5K is this, and you're you didn't run, you know, maybe you're a minute off that still. So that could be encouraging to someone yeah. to be like, wow, that could be my goal. Like I can do this. Um, and so coaches can play around with the calculator free, and then we do a a 30 day free trial. Okay. Um, and we'll include the discount code as well um, for coaches that um, continue to subscribe after the trial. Um, period using the uh, Coach Lindsay. Coach Lindsay, got Lindsay. it. Love it. Okay. Um, so this is fun because Vida is sponsoring this high school coaching series that we're doing. And so we're going to kick off the series with this episode and then we'll have four high school coaches um, come on and just talk about their practice and why they're passionate about coaching and how they run their programs. And I think it's going to be really fun. I've had fun interviewing other coaches and we haven't we haven't uh, done a deep dive on high school coaches yet. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, okay, so we're going to wrap up with into podcast questions because you've never been on the show. And um, aside from VDOT, it's fun to get to know you as a person too. So what is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, interesting. Um, personally or professionally? Yeah. I would say personally is is travel more um because as you know with young kids it's it could be a grind doing long travel um, i know it's like is this fun really <laughs> you, so you have so you have that plus the pandemic obviously but um since we're kind of over that now it's really like oh shoot like getting the kids um you know, to see the world now of having an opportunity to do that and take the time to do it. Yeah. And like Patagonia and, um, you know, places like that um, have been on my list for a long time. So, yeah, I would say. Well, How old are your kids? Uh, Jojo, I think I'm referenced Jojo, who's getting into track now and starting to get the bug. So I'm part of our conversation has been influenced by that because I'm really a little bit nervous about having this like nurturing environment, not too much. And I've seen her get nervous as she lines up to race. And I'm just like, then I get nervous and I'm like, is it too much too you soon? You just want her to have fun. Yeah. 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 So really funny. Like when she did her first and, so she did Girls on the Run. I'm not sure if you're familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, of course. And so her whole perspective is warped a little bit by Girls on the Run because it's like a 5K at the end, which I think is too long for those. That's really far. Kids. Yeah, that's really far. So JoJo just is like, I just want to see if I could do it without stopping. That was a goal she created for herself. So as a fourth grader, she we ran really slowly. And she finished without stopping. So that was like 
huge to her. She was so proud of herself. Then we get into this like local track club and there's a lot of the kids are, it's too competitive, too mm-hmm. serious, mm-hmm. too like much specificity. Yep. And so I'm like, Joe, do everything, do the hundred, do the 200. <laughs> do the, and she's like, I want to do the 5k. And I'm like, no, there's no, I'm like, this is like a race. Like you're not, you don't do 5k until college. And she's like, yeah. what? what do you mean? You know, like I want, I, I'm not great at the shorter distance. So I'm like, just have fun, you know? So I'm like, get her to do the 800, which as a fifth grader, to me, going two laps around the track was like a marathon. Yeah, it's a lot. And she's like, this is a sprint. I can't, I'm too slow. Like I'm, I have a lot of endurance and Uh she, she has this unique ability to run for a long time as a young kid. And so I'm like, let's just do the 800 this year. And so she lines up in her first 800 and she's real, I could see her in her face, like, Oh, and then it starts and she's kind of like, you know, you go like, no, you go first, you know, like, and the gun goes off and she's like letting people go. And I'm like, Joe, go like, go, it's a race, you know? (laughs) And then the first couple of races, she's like all nervous and about the start. And then like by the last race, so we talked a lot about it. And then by the last race, she like darts out (laughs) tucks in behind the first runner and I'm on the turn, the first turn. And she looks over at me in the race and she sticks her tongue out. Oh, and I was like, yes, she's having Perfect. fun. She's having fun. Yeah. That was great. Oh, gosh. I know there's a whole conversation on that, you know, things oh. getting too intense too soon. And, um, I'm actually going to kick this off. I have it. I had an episode with a woman named Pris- Priscilla Tallman. Do you know who that is? I know the name. She she does like motivation type stuff yeah. with yeah. kids. And I'm, I'm going to air that next Tuesday and then air yours because I feel like it'll be a good segue into this series because we talk a lot about kids and when it's too early to push and specialize and all that. And yeah. That's huge. So needed. Um, yeah. Let yeah, let me. I'll look out for it because I yeah. want to try and push that from our. Yeah, it's end. a good one. Yeah, okay, I, she's wonderful. Um, okay, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Um, cast. Okay. Do you know it? No. Um, it's about like racial justice. Um, okay. Stuff really heavy. My daughter makes fun of me because she reads like way more than I, and I like challenged her to read more than her that summer. Okay. And that book took a long time because it was pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was the last one I read. A lot of like politics books I read. Um, and what else do I have? Oh, Shoe Dog. Mm, of course um, was a great one um but yeah those are those were kind of the last two that i that i was into yeah a lot of podcasts lately yeah uh well you can multitask when you podcast i know That's uh, more books <laughs> what is the last message you want to leave with the audience on the spot here i know last message I, I I think my whole message coming into this was like, if 
you want to become a coach or if you're looking for a coach, kind of um, the big thing is how they communicate. And if you're a high school coach, big takeaway for me is like, always think about the fact that like you're, you're having a huge impact um, for better or for worse. So mm. always think about that before you speak, before you go to a practice. And to me, if you're coaching in a way um, that is thinking about like, let's see if I can get coaches or athletes who want to become coaches like that, then you're, you're doing a great job. Like if you can think along those lines, like what can I do that's going to want these athletes to continue to run? Um, Cause that's what we're doing. Like with VDOT, we're trying to carry on this legacy, like pass it on and um, just be a positive force for the sport to keep growing the sport. And so think about the environment that you're creating in terms of how you, how you apply training and what's the environment like. Um, are kids more likely to stay in the sport mm. or is it just the fast kids that are more, are going to stay in the sport, you know, like, cause if, if you're not quite sure if you haven't thought of it that way, and then I think it could help your team, even if you're just about winning, I think it, it could help with that too. It's not just about, you know, having more kids continue to run after high school. I think a lot of high school coaches that should be their mission. Mm -hmm. um, but for those that just want to win titles and are super competitive I think it works out well that if that's your focus too anyway. Um, so that, I don't know, that has been, that's my big takeaway these days. Thank you, Brian. I hope it was helpful. All right, friends. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Brian, for sharing your story and sharing a little bit more about VDOT. Again, if you are a coach, go to vdot02.com to learn more. You can use the code Coach Lindsay for 20% off your annual subscription. If you want a demo or just learn more, hit up their team at info at v.o2.com to learn more. Elevate your coaching game. Save yourself some time. Take your athletes to the next level with VDOT. Friends, you can find me on social media. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram, at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. Lindsay Hines 626 on threads and learn more about this show and everything we're doing at sandyboyproductions.com. I also have training plans available on my website, lindsayhine.com. If you're looking for a marathon or half marathon training plan and all of our sponsor codes and discounts are at lindsayhine.com. Just click on the Lindsay's deals tab and you will learn more. All right, friends. Thanks for being here. And we will see you Friday for a regular. I'll have another episode.